Okay, uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. If you have a Bible, of course, turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, if for some reason you don't have a Bible, most of the things, I'll, a lot of the verses I'll put up there. But John chapter 10, we're, we're doing the study we started a couple of weeks ago called 12 Key Biblical Truths Every Believer, uh, Every Christian Must Understand. So we're looking at places in the Bible that people need to know and to rightly divide the Word of God and understand how it fits together. Our goal in this study, as we got right here, is to know these key biblical truths and be able to communicate these truths to others. We talked about it several weeks ago, that so many churches, when they come together, there's no plan by the church to train the believers, to equip the believers, to have them understand what they believe, know why they believe what they believe, and then be able to pass it on to others. That Our goal is that you would know these key biblical truths, and you'd be able to communicate these truths to other people. So, and so here's some questions. What are we supposed to know? How, how can we know them? We realize that a lot of believers do not understand the truths of the Bible. And we looked last time at the story of the Bible, the perfect God brings simple man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. I've got on your handout that it says the story of the Bible is reconciliation. That's the key. We've talked about that. This week, we're going to look at something that, <clears throat> for some people, it, it's common. You say, oh, I, I've heard this before. If you've been in our church for any length of time, you've heard this. But I remember teaching this truth called the three-phase plan of salvation, how God saves us three times, how we'll talk about that. And I, I remember a, a person that was, you know, was on fire, but they came to a, a class that I taught, and I taught that. And they came out of there and said, I've never heard this, and this sort of puts the Bible together for me. And we'll, we'll talk about it as we go through it. So tonight, we're going to talk about, it's kind of a, a jo- I, I put some sort of funny titles to these lessons. This was called Being Saved Three Times. What does this mean? Realize that when sometimes people say salvation, uh, almost every time people, when they hear the word salvation, they think of eternal life salvation. If you say salvation, they say, oh yeah, yeah, you know, Jesus and eternal life. Well, we're going to find that there are a lot of different aspects of salvation in the Bible, and we'll talk about how it fits together. So we'll see that. Well, in this lesson, the second big principle or the Bible principle is that we need to understand is about being saved three times. So I had a friend... And I was coaching at Mississippi State years ago, and uh, he would come. In fact, I, I purchased all athletic equipment for Mississippi State at one time, besides being with track and football and things like that. And this guy would buy. He, 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 he sold athletic equipment, so he'd come to me. And we went out to eat one night, and he told me, we were talking about, somehow it came up, and I talked to him about eternal life salvation, how you believe in Christ, and you, you're saved and saved forever. And he said, well, he'd been saved three times. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, you know, uh, he, he said he, he went to a church that believed that you had to be baptized to be saved. And so when you get baptized, then you're saved. If you sin, and they would say if you do sort of a bad sin, you have to decide whether it's a bad sin or not a bad sin. If you do a bad sin, then you lose your salvation. So then you have to start all over again, and you have to so-called believe and then get baptized again. And so he said that he had actually believed and lost his salvation and believed and lost his salvation and believed. And, and, that, and at this time, he said, that right now I have it, you know. And so I, I explained to him, you know, that salvation was a gift, and it's by faith in Christ. And when you believe, you get eternal life. And, and that's why the Bible says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what? Believes in him will never perish, but what do you get? eternal life. And then you think about John 10, 28. Jesus says, I give them what? Temporary life. 
that what it says? No. He says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And so we, when we really think about it, this is the, the title of this lesson is uh, Being Saved Three Times, and we're going to see how it fits together. Before we get going into it, let's, let's just remind ourselves uh, of the, the things that we saw last week. The, the story of the Bible is reconciliation. It's God has a plan to bring man back to himself. We always draw this up here, and I'll, I'm going to race and draw a lot, but it's the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. That's the story of the Bible. And so from the very beginning, uh, we see these great truths. If you remember, we put this up. The seed of woman, God promised in Genesis 3.15 that he would send the seed of woman who'd crush the head of the serpent. That's the Messiah. He then said the seed of Abraham would come in Genesis 12 and would bless the whole world. That's the Messiah. The son of David would come in 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're about there on Sunday mornings, just about to get to 2 Samuel chapter 7, where God promised that through David, the Messiah and the king would come. Daniel chapter 7 said the Son of Man would come and set up a kingdom that would never end. The Son of Mary is the one that was told to Luke that he'd be Savior and King, the Son of God. Matthew said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then finally, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's God's thing. And so we talked about it, and we just mentioned it a while ago. There are three aspects there, the three keys of reconciliation. And you, you've, you, we just had them on the quiz, but they're right there where it says three aspects. The first one is God does the reconciling. It is God's plan to reconcile man to himself. So God does the reconciling. We're not reconciling. In fact, all we like sheep have gone astray, what? Each one, what? Our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one that seeks after God. So we're not looking for God. God does the reconciling. The reconciliation is to God, from sinful man back to God. It's not God to man. It's man to God. Man is the one who moved away. God is the one that brings us back. And then the third thing is the agency is Jesus Christ. And as we put it right here, God uses his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. Paid for sin, rose again, conquered death, gives us eternal life. And so that's what we saw last time. Well, I want you to understand, and of course, let me, let me erase this and let me show you something. Think about it. That, that is the story of the Bible, which is reconciliation. You remember I have dyslexia, so I can't write. So reconciliation. And under reconciliation is the aspect of salvation. The story of the Bible is not salvation. The story of the Bible is reconciliation. And there are different aspects of salvation. And so we're going to see that salvation plan, God's salvation fits. Uh, it's salvation fits under God's plan of reconciliation. So when people say, what's the story of the Bible? Some people will say, well, it's salvation. That's not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is reconciliation. Underneath reconciliation is actually three aspects of salvation. And we're going to see it as we go through it tonight. So let's think about that. We're going to look at two big areas. <clears throat> down, I think it's down at the bottom of your page. And the first one is, what is salvation? And the second one is, God's three-phase plan of salvation. So we're going to see those three things. So you can write that in. Uh, if, I, if for some reason you don't get it written in, just let me know if I'm going too fast. I want you to look at these things. So what is salvation? And what is God's three-phase plan of salvation? Is it, not, is it working or not working? It is. Okay. Do I look tall is the real question on that video. Is, am I looking tall? You know, we maybe need to get a smaller po you know, podium, and then it would look really tall. Yeah. 
Okay, so two big areas. What is salvation and God's three-phase plan of salvation? So we come up with the idea, what is salvation? When people say the word salvation, it does not always mean eternal life salvation. In fact, most of the time, it does not mean that. When you see the word salvation in the Old Testament, about 95% of the time, it is not referring to eternal life salvation. It's usually referring to some kind of physical deliverance in some way in the Old Testament. So what does it mean? What does salvation mean? It has an idea of being delivered, and there's two aspects of it. There's physical deliverance. You'll look through the Bible, and you'll, the people were saved from sickness, or they're saved from danger, or they're saved from death, or they're saved from an enemy, and uh, uh, all those kind of things. When he says, I will call upon the name of the Lord, who shall, uh, and I shall be saved from my what? Anybody know that song? I will call upon the name of the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And I shall be saved from my enemies. See, the song actually talks about enemies. It's not, not talking about eternal life salvation. So there's a physical aspect in the Bible that he talks about salvation. Do you remember when Peter was walking on the water? When Jesus was walking on the water and Peter was there and, and, and they all got afraid. And, and Peter said, if it's really you, Lord, command me to come out. And Jesus said, come out. Peter started walking on the water. And then he looked around. He saw the winds and the waves. They began to sink. What did he say? Lord, what? Save me. What? I thought he was already saved. He wasn't talking about eternal life salvation, was he? What was he talking about? Physical deliverance. So in the Bible, there are going to be a lot of places where the word salvation doesn't mean anything to do with eternal life salvation or anything like that. It means a physical deliverance. There is also a spiritual aspect, a spiritual aspect of deliverance, and that's where we're going to look at these three things. Let me give them to you, okay, because you've got it right here. I've got them there for you. There's justification, sanctification, and glorification. I'm going to write it right here. I'm going to do a lot on this board tonight, so I hope you can see it justification, I'm just going to write it that way, sanctification and glorification. All of those are the three aspects of salvation. And we're talking about spiritual salvation. We're not talking about a physical deliverance here. We're talking about when the Bible uses the term salvation and it's being used in a spiritual type way. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, if you stay right in that little section, I want you to look at this. Justification is dealing with eternal life salvation. Sanctification is dealing with Christian life salvation. You may not understand this, but you realize that there is an eternal life aspect that we're saved. Do you understand that there's a Christian aspect that we're saved? There is a future aspect called glorification, and it deals with future salvation. You may not realize this, but the Bible says we have been saved, the Bible says we are being saved, and the Bible says we will be saved. And if you're not understanding this three-phase aspect, if you're not understanding how God does it, you will be confused. There's a verse that says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Some people look at that and they think they're saying, God is saying, you work hard so you can have eternal life salvation. That person isn't talking about eternal life salvation. He's talking about Christian life salvation. And he's talking about working out the, the fact that you're a, God, a, a child of God. Work that out in your life so people can see that salvation. So we'll talk more about it as we go through it. So there is justification, eternal life salvation. Sanctification deals with Christian life salvation. And glorification deals with future salvation. So just look at these. And we're going to see how they fit together. And, I mean, there's some really, really good things there. So with that in mind, we're going to look at God's three-phase plan. And I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to just go through these three things real quickly. 
Then I'm going to take the three-phase plan, and I'm going to go through that in a big overview. And then I'm going to take the three-phase plan, and I'm going to go in details. So we're going to do that tonight, so you'll probably get tired of hearing me say, this is this, this is this, and this is this. But the goal of this class is that you would get what? You would understand these things, and you would be able to help other people understand. There's a verse that says, our salvation is nearer now than it's ever been. What does that mean? I've had people say, I thought I was saved. You mean I'm not saved yet? I said, no, you don't understand. That's glorification salvation. So maybe if, if you've not ever heard this before or if you've not ever been able to put this together before, I think you're going to get a lot out of this tonight. So let's talk about God's three-phase plan of salvation. And I've got there justification, sanctification, glorification. Now look at this. Justification is we have been saved. I'm going to write this. It's past tense. Sanctification is we are being saved. That's present tense. And glorification, we will be saved. That's future. So salvation is a three-phase aspect. And that God does all of these things in that way. So let's talk about, stay right where you are there. Let's talk about justification. Justification, we have been saved. Most of you know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? Why does it go? For by grace you have been saved. There is a few translations that actually translate it, for by grace you are saved. That's an incorrect translation. In the Bible, in the Greek, the Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is in what we call the perfect tense which means a past action with a continuing results. It is the perfect tense. It should be translated, for by grace you have been saved. You've been saved in the past with continuing results. And so there's a great truth that you have been saved. If all of us in this room, if you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you have justification salvation, you have eternal life salvation, you have been saved, and that's past tense. So everyone in this room who have believed in Christ for eternal life, you could say, I have been saved. And that salvation goes on. Is that, is that true? You got it? You see it? Okay, here's the next one. That's sanctification, which is our Christian life, salvation. And Titus 2 talks about how he teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. This is we are being saved. And uh, Second uh, Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge. Grow in our salvation. Sanctification, Christian life, is, it's the Christian life. And what we may not grasp it is, but the Bible talks about us, we are being saved. We're being saved from something. I'll talk to you about it in a minute. We'll see what are these things that we're being saved from in the Christian life. And then the third thing is called glorification. It's future salvation. We will be saved. Romans 13, 11 says, Your salvation is nearer than it's ever been. Is it true? What if Jesus came right now? What if Jesus came in the clap? Yeah, we can clap because that'd be, that'd be better than some other things. But if he came right now, what would happen to us? Didn't Christ rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him? And we will be saved. We're going to talk more about it here in just a little bit. So get this in your mind. Justification is eternal life. Salvation, 
past tense. We have been saved. Sanctification is Christian life salvation. We are being saved, present tense. Glorification is a future salvation. We will be saved, and that's future. So that's where we are. We're going to be seeing all of those things. Uh, Philippians says, Philippians 3.20 says, We wait for the Lord to come and change this old mortal body into a body like his. That's a future salvation. And we're going to see that in just a little bit. Now, let's raise a question. And this is this. Why would God save us? Why would God, well, that, that's a good point. Why would God save us? So we're going to raise this question. Is why does God want us? Let me go back, I think. Yeah. Okay. Why would God save First of all, why does God love us? A, because he loves us. He loves us with an unconditional love. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Is that true? That he gave his only begotten son. He loves us unconditionally. Let me ask you this question. If you're serving God full speed, how much does he love you? 100%? Can we say 100%? If you're not serving God, in fact, you're living in sin, how much does he love you? 100%. If you're an unbeliever... In the gutter, how much does he love you? 100%. Does God's love ever change? In the New Testament, there's the word agape. That's a Greek word for love, and it means an unconditional, unchanging love. In the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word called hesed, H-E-S-E-D, and it means a covenantal love. It's sometimes translated loving kindness, but it means a love that never changes. So one of the great things is a lot of times when when we do something wrong, sometimes people get mad at us or we get mad at ourselves. But God never stops loving us. Whether we're doing good or doing bad, whether we're living for him or not living for him, whether we're living in sin or not living in sin, his love never changes. That's because he's God. Uh, how much did he, when we were... All like sheep going astray, each one our own way, none righteous, no, not one, not seeking God. Did he love us? Did he love us to the maximum? Now that we're a child of God and we're saying, yes, so I'm going to live for you, does he love us? Is it to the maximum? Never changes. So when we think about why does God, why would God save us? He has an unconditional love. I want to show you this verse. 1 John 4, 9 says this. By this... By what? He's going to tell us in a minute. By this, the love of God was revealed in us. How did God show us how much he loved us? That he sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. He sent Jesus to die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again, give us, and to give us eternal life. In this is love. And not that we love God, but he loved us. And send his son to be the propitiation. Where propitiation means a satisfactory payment for our sins. So why would God save us? Because he loves us. He loves us with an unconditional love. There's a second thing. And it is God's grace. Why would God save us? Because of his grace. Grace is what? It's unmerited favor. God decided to save us, not based on our works, or our righteousness. By the way, here's the deal. When you talk about religion, and, and you've heard me say this many times, Christianity is not religion. Religion is man trying to do something to get to God. When you look at the religions of the world, they're all doing something, whether it's praying soul things or going someplace or doing something. They're all trying to do something to get to God. That's called religion. Christianity is not man pleasing God. Christianity is God pleasing God. God so loved the world, he gave his son. 
So when we talk about the grace of God, it, it doesn't come to us and say, if you'll just do the following things. The grace of God is that God in His grace, mercy, and love, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the what? It's the gift of God. It's gift. When you get a gift, I mean, what do you have to do to get a gift? Nothing. They just say, here, I, I got that for you. And you go, no, you, yeah, thank you. Right? That's what we do. And then our mind says, now I've got to get them something. But that's not what grace is. That's not what a gift is. If you gave me a gift and I have to give you a gift, that's not grace. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. That's what it's all about. The grace of God. The grace of God is the motivation. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. So many people will say grace, but they add works. Now, we're really strong, and as you know, in our church, about the salvation message being a gift, and it's faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life, and you believe in Jesus for eternal life. And you'll hear people say, oh, yeah, we believe in the grace of God, and then they'll say things like, repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle, get baptized, make him Lord of their life, and so they add about ten works to it, and salvation is not works. Salvation is faith alone and Christ alone. It's all based on his grace. So why would he save us? Because of his grace. There's one more. There's mercy. God's mercy. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness will we be done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Mercy is not getting uh, what we do deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, <laughs> but mercy is not getting what we do deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve death. We deserve to be separated from God forever. But God so loved the world that in his grace and in his mercy, he saves us. And so it's powerful, great truths. So never forget it. Never take for granted that God's love is an ever change, uh, uh, unchanging, everlasting, perfect love, grace, and mercy. So why would he save us? So we saw justification, sanctification, glorification, eternal life, salvation, Christian life, salvation, future salvation. We have been saved. We're all being saved. We will be saved. We've seen past, present, and future. So we've seen all those. Now, I'm going to go through what I call a, a quick overview of these things so you can see how they fit together. And if you notice, I have for you that says, you'll see big number, big number uh, I says salvation from the guilt and penalty of sin. Then you'll see a number two. And if you look at the next page after that, you'll see a number three. That's the three phases. I want you to fill in the blanks. I want you to think through it as we go through it. So let's look at the first one. Salvation from the guilt and the penalty of sin. Okay, so this is salvation from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Death. The wages of sin is death. If God doesn't do something, every one of us, not only we come into the world physically alive, becoming spiritually dead, but physically alive, but if something doesn't happen, we're going to die physically, and because we're spiritually dead, we will be separated from God forever, and that's called death. The Bible actually calls it the second death. So we want to be saved saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. So the penalty is death, the provision. And what is the provision? It is Jesus Christ. It is him dying on the cross, paying for sin. I always put it this way. You may see that and wonder what I'm doing, but I don't just say Jesus died on the cross because the gospel is not just the death of Christ. The gospel is the death and the 
resurrection of Christ. So Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again to conquer death. And so Jesus died to deal with the penalty of sin. He's the provision to take the penalty of sin. It's as if we all have this debt and we go, what am I going to do? And Jesus comes by and says, I'll take your debt. He becomes our substitute. So salvation from the guilt and penalty of sin is called justification. It's eternal life salvation. And the penalty is death. The provision is Jesus Christ. And how is it come by? By what? By faith. How do you get eternal life salvation? How do you get saved from the penalty of sin? By faith. You believe what? In Jesus Christ. Now be careful. Because a lot of people say, I, I believe in Jesus. And when I say this, we say, and we believe in him for what? Eternal life. He is offering to us the gift of eternal life. And most people don't understand that. They'll hear about Jesus. I read something today about a person, and they said they, they, they just knew God loved them, and that saved them. No, God loves everybody. Knowing God loves you doesn't save you. You're saved when you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, that you're trusting in him to give you eternal life salvation, that you're believing that he is the one that will save you and give you life. See, we're already dead. Wages of sin is what? Death, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so what does Jesus Christ do? He dies for us. So the penalty is death. The provision is Jesus Christ. It comes by faith. And this is what? Past tense. You have been what? Saved. saved. Have been saved. So we got the first one. Now this is, we're not going into the detail yet. We're just touching on it. I just want you to get this. Okay? So do you understand that every one of us in this room, that... You needed to be saved from the penalty of sin. It was death, and Jesus took your place. And by faith, you have been saved. Got it? Okay. Well, let's look at the second one. This is salvation from the power of sin. Now, this is what a lot of people don't grasp. In the Christian life, it, the, 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 the thing that we're dealing with, the power of sin. We have to be saved from the power of sin. And we're talking about in our Christian life, and the power is called the flesh. That is the natural bent in every person to sin. It's just there. It's there. It comes based on the fall. It's called the old man. It's called sin. It's called the flesh. Uh, some people call it the old nature. Uh, the Bible doesn't really use the term old nature. It uses old man. Uh, it uses flesh. So the power is the flesh. So the flesh, what does the flesh tell us to do? <laughs> to sin. So we need to be saved in our Christian life. From the power of sin. Right? Am I right? So how? What is the provision? Holy Spirit. God sent the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit live? When you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, what happens? The Holy Spirit does what? Comes to live inside you. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He is inside of us. He is the provision. How do we gain? How do we live? And how do we uh, have this power and victory over sin in our lives it comes by what faithfulness by living faithfully by living righteously by by obeying the bible by living in the power of the holy spirit because that's that's really the key the key is living in the power of the holy spirit and we're going to talk more about that when we get to the details in a minute and then th this is present so we are being what saved this is present tense so let me just give you a quick look Justification is eternal life salvation, the penalty of sin, 
the, the penalty and the thing of sin, Jesus came and took care of it. We believe in Him. It comes by faith. And when we believe, we have been saved, past tense. Now the Christian life, the, po the problem is the power of sin, which is the flesh. And God says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so you can, be, by faithfulness you can, and obeying me, you can have victory over the power of the flesh in your life, the power of sin in your life. And we are being saved. Now, we can sometimes have victory and be saved. We are being saved, and sometimes we don't, have, we don't have victory, and we're not being saved. Now, this is eternal life salvation, and once you're saved, you're what? Saved forever. Now, this one is ongoing. This is, if I'm living in the flesh, I'm not being saved in the Christian life. If I'm living in the power of the Holy Spirit, I am being saved in the Christian life. That's why the Bible will say, work out your own salvation. What salvation are we talking about? Right here. Live it out. Work it out. Live out. And so we can have great victory. That's the key there. Okay? So we got that one. Then we got one more, the third one. And this is glorification, salvation from the presence of sin. So what is the presence of sin? You know what it is? Where is sin? The fall, this world, this fallen world. Listen, there's sin in you. That's this part right here. But you're, we live in a world that has fallen. It, who controls the world? Satan. Satan controls the world. It's wild, isn't it? Satan controls the world. The world affects our flesh. And so we are in the presence of a fallen world. How are we going to be saved from that? The provision is what? The return of Jesus Christ. When Christ comes in the clouds to get us. When he comes to do what? Why is he coming to get us? Take us out of this world. That's what he's going to do. He's going to save us from this world. This comes by God's faithfulness. What's his promise? In my father's house, so many rooms, if it wasn't that way, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come for you. And when it's ready, I'll come for you and I'll get you. And where I am, you will be. That's his promise. He says, I'm going to save you from this world. I'm going to come and get you. And this is by his faithfulness, and this is future, and we will be saved. Is that correct? We will be saved. So think about this. God said, I love you so much. You've all sinned and owe death. So I'm going to send my son as a provision to pay for it. And when you believe, I give you eternal life, and you have been saved. As you go through the Christian life, there is the power of the flesh in your life, and I want to save you from that, so I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will live inside you, and as you are faithful and obey, you will be, you are being saved. And then finally, you live in this fallen world, and I don't want you to be in this fallen world, so one of these days, I'm going to, so I'm going to come, and the provision is I'm going to come in the clouds and get you and take you out of this, and you will be saved. Is God's plan pretty good? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so we, we are justified, we are being sanctified, and we will be glorified. Question, yeah. It, I think it's 13. Uh, it's 13. It's, on our sheet, does it say 3? 
If it's the wrong one, they'll let me know. Remember, this is the first time we've taught this one. Huh? So it should say, it's Romans 13, 11. Yeah, thank you for bringing that. If, if you, as I said in the very first week, it's the first time we've taught this, and Chelsea's telling, you know, I'm getting the notes, we're getting to her, she's typing them up. We can't catch everything. If you find something wrong, just tell me, because we don't need to correct it, you know, so that we could, the next time we teach it, we won't have these errors. So Romans 13, 11, he says, your salvation is nearer now than it's ever been. Is that true? He could come at any second, couldn't he? Yeah. I mean, so it can happen any second. So do we, do we think we got it? What's justification? That's eternal life salvation. What's sanctification? That's Christian life salvation. What's glorification? That's future salvation. And this one we have been. And this one we are being saved. And this one we will be saved. This is past tense. This is present tense. This is future tense. And in this one, God sent his son to deal with the penalty of sin. And this one, God gave the Holy Spirit to deal with the power of sin, which is the flesh. And in this one, Jesus Christ himself will come to deal with this aspect. Hallelujah. Okay, right? <laughs> so, isn't this good, right? So that's sort of the, the big overview of how that fits together. Now, the rest of the lesson is going to be a little bit more details. It's going to be uh, stuff that you know, and I'm going to add a few things in there. But if you got this, listen, if, how, many times, how many people do you think that you can walk out in this community and talk to them and talk to them about the three aspects of salvation? If they say salvation, you mean like going to heaven. No, no, no. I'm talking about going to heaven, Christian life, and, and the future thing. And they'll look at you like, I don't, we don't know what you're talking about. And every time most people see the word salvation, they think what? Eternal life salvation. But let me tell you, there's a lot more Christian life salvation verses than there are eternal life salvation verses. Do you realize that? As, and in the Old Testament, as I said a while ago, 90-something percent of all the times you see the word salvation in the Old Testament, it is never, it is, and almost never, eternal life salvation in the Old Testament. When they say Old Testament and salvation, they talk about being a part of the what? The kingdom of God. They're looking forward to the kingdom. Old Testament weren't looking to heaven. And we're not really looking to heaven. We're looking to what? The, the kingdom. When Jesus rules on this earth and we rule with him and then the eternal state. So anyway, that's the deal. Okay, so you ready for the next one? Now let's go to the details. And this is phase one. And this is salvation from the guilt and penalty of sin. And listen, on your handout, just put salvation from the penalty of sin. You don't have to put the guilt and the penalty. But let's talk about this. Well, we realize that as a person, we come into this world. I'm going to, would it be okay? You think I can erase some of this because you know it, right? Or you think you got it? Let's, let's erase some of this for a second. We come into this world. I'm going to draw us up. You've seen me draw this before. We have a body. We have a soul, we have a conscience, we have a flesh. This is the unbeliever. Unbeliever comes into the world with a body that holds everything together. The soul relates to the world around us. That's where you have a mind, emotion, and will. We have a conscience that tells us right from wrong. The book of Romans says that the law is written in our hearts. People know right from wrong. You can sear your conscience. You can do wrong long enough that it doesn't bother you, but there is a conscience. And then you have this flesh, which is the natural bent to sin. It's, it's that thing right there, okay? When you believe, when you become a believer, you are born again, 
and you become alive spiritually. That's what I call the human spirit. You were dead spiritually. You're now alive spiritually. That's the new creation. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. So this is what we are like. And so we have the part of us that loves God. This is the part of God, this part of us that hates, that's in rebellion, that will never do good. In fact, never wants to do good. The flesh is always fleshly, bent, and sinful. The new creation, we say, I want to live for God. The Holy Spirit is God's power inside of us. So when we start saying that we want to be saved from the guilt and the penalty of sin, we all are sinners. We come into the world with, remember we said last, last time, what, what are the three, three ways we're sinners? Imputed sin, inherent sin, and personal sin. Imputed sin is Adam's sin in us. Inherent sin is the flesh. And personal sins are these sins that we do. And so God says, okay, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody in here done that? Okay, and then we find out that the wages of sin is what? It's death. And so we look at this, wages of sin is death. So every human being owes God what? Death. And what is death? Separation. Remember, death is separation. Something that a lot of people don't grasp. Every human being will be raised from the dead to exist forever. Jesus Christ paid for all sin. Jesus Christ conquered death. Some people will be raised from the dead to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life. Some people will be raised from the dead to spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ. It's called the second death. The Bible calls it the lake of fire and the second death. So if, if a person believes, they have eternal life. If they don't believe, they have the second death. That's what it boils down to because they're already dead. Okay? So, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And so what does God do? God says, I want to save them from the guilt and the penalty of sin. So he sends his son, Jesus Christ. First John 2, 2 says that Jesus Christ is the satisfactory payment for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the entire world. So what did Jesus Christ do? He came and died and rose again and paid for the sins of everybody and rose again conquering death. He is the provision, the provision to save us. And the Bible says that we maintain... That a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We're declared righteous. Remember, this is called what? Justification. This means to be declared right. We are justified before God. How? By faith. When we believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we are justified by faith. That's what it boils down to. Galatians 2.16 says, knowing that a man is justified by faith. And if you have your little uh, book there, or uh, handout, I have justification, Romans 3.28 and Galatians 2.16. And we're talking about justification. And justification means to be declared righteous. So justification is that God says, I declare you righteous. Now, that doesn't make you righteous. There's another word, and you see it there. It's called imputation. And imputation is God actually gives you his righteousness. And this is one of the greatest truths uh, in the Bible that I, that I understand. And look at this verse right here. To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as what? Now, you understand that you are dead in trespasses and sins, and Jesus Christ died and rose again for you, 
And God says, if you will believe in Jesus, I will give you eternal life. And the moment you believe in Jesus, not only does he give you eternal life, not only does he declare you righteous, but he actually gives you his righteousness. It's called imputation. And that means, technically, you're as righteous as God. In your standing before God, you are perfectly righteous. This is how he deals when gives us eternal life salvation. We have been saved. We have been made righteous. So in your position, standing before Jesus Christ, do you have any sin? Where is it? It's been placed on Christ. Are you perfectly righteous as Christ is? Everybody's afraid. Well, I don't know what to say. What is it? Are we perfectly as righteous as Christ is? Yes. yes. Justification, imputation. We're declared righteous. We're made righteous. In your standing before God, you are perfectly righteous, holy, perfect. Because he gave you his righteousness. So did he save us from the guilt and penalty of sin? What did he do? He paid for it. And he made us righteous, and he gave us eternal life, and he declared us to be righteous, and he set us apart, and all this is past. So when we talk about, well, you've heard me say this many, many times, when we go through life and we say things like, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're a new creation in Christ. You have the righteousness of God. You're, you can live righteously and holy now, but in your position, you're a child of God, and you're righteous. Okay? So remember that, and it's powerful. Now, I got this little deal here, and I'm going to have to go a little faster because I, I think I'm going too slow. But just remember that, should I talk faster or what? But anyway, here's what I want you to see, that we're declared righteous, that's justification. We're made righteous, that's imputation. What is the results of this justification? You see it at the bottom of the page there. What is the results? First of all, A, we're a child of God. We're a child of God. John 1, 12. As many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Right here, you know what you are? You're a child. You're a child of God. I heard somebody say the other day, all people are God's children. No, they're not. All people are created by God and made in the image of God, but not all people are all God's children. Only those who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life have been called Children of God. Is that true? Yeah, don't let somebody say everybody's a child of God. No, they're not. Everybody's created by God. Everybody's made in the image of God. But God's children are those who believe in Him. The second thing is we become a new person. We become a new person. Wow. That is so amazing. A new person. What, what are some of the changes? I'm going to just throw this out for you. You don't have to write all this down. This is all, I think, what is under B? Is this B, right? Okay, look, look what we got. We're spiritually alive, remember? We were dead, and now we're what? We're alive. And then we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. There he is. He's inside. We have been given spiritual gifts. That's how you serve within the body. And we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, which means we're protected. So you could write some of that down, or all of it down, or none of it down. It's whatever you want to do. I just, I know just by time, we'll have to get through here in a second. So, we are child of God. We're a new person. We have eternal life. Let me ask you a question. What is eternal life? Okay, so it's life forever with God. It is an eternal relationship 
with Jesus Christ. We have to remember that, and we have to remember it's called eternal life. We talk to people, and they'll say, well, you can believe it, but you can lose your salvation. Then you didn't get what? Eternal. So eternal life is life forever. When do you get eternal life? The moment you believe, God gives you right then eternal life, and you shall what? Never perish. Don't forget that. Listen, I talk to people, and they, they're struggling. They don't know if they are saved. They think they're saved. They know they believed, but then they might have lost it. Or they thought, well, I thought, you know, if I really believed, would I do this bad thing? I mean, they, they just struggle. And I want them to understand. The moment you believe, what do you have? Eternal life, and you are saved and saved forever. So that's C. Okay, let me show you this. This is great. Look. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, the, the moment of... She said, it's, there's some people get justification and not imputation. There are different places in the Bible that it talks about it. But the moment you believe, not only are you declared righteous, you are made righteous. And that's imputation. Right. It all happens at the same time. Now, it looks funny because we'll say, okay, you're justified and now you are got the imputation. But it all happens the exact moment you believe. You're made a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit. All of those things happen the exact moment you believe. Look at this right here. We were what? Dead in sin, but now we're alive in Christ. We were in darkness, now we're in light. We were destined for wrath, now we have eternal life. We were sinful and unrighteous, now we're holy and righteous. Is that not beautiful? Are you feeling any better about yourself? <laughs> okay. Now let's look quickly at number two, salvation from the power of sin. Now this is the one, listen, this has already happened for all of us. And we could say, whew, I'm just glad that's happened. This is where we are right now. And you know what the question is? Are you being saved or not? Because you being saved in the Christian life is up to you. Because are you going to walk in the Spirit? Are you going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you going to get, take the provision that God has given you to defeat the, the flesh? That's what it boils down to. So we live in a fallen world, and the power is the flesh. And, and, and what do we call the flesh? It's the natural bent to what? To sin. We do sin. And so what does he do? The provision is who? Provision is, is, it should say, is the Holy Spirit. I think this says provision in, well, you, I guess you could say provision in the Holy Spirit, but the provision is the Holy Spirit. And so what does he tell us to do? Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is there a battle going on inside you? Here's the flesh. Here's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh. They're contrary one to another, so you may not do the things that you uh, desire. That's Galatians 5, 16 and 17. And that's a battle going on. How many of you recognize the battle? Uh, every day. Every day, it's a battle. How can you have victory? How can you have victory? Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the provision? What's the, how can you be saved in your Christian life? Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians, uh, Ephesians 4.1 says, Walk worthy of the calling which you have been called. And uh, I don't know if I have 3.18. Yeah, 2 Peter 3.18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. You don't have to write all those down. But look at these next blanks right there. Look at this. This is the Christian life. It is a walk of faith. A walk of faith. In the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. That's the Christian life.
It's a walk of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have been saved, but you, we, are, we are being saved. And I say it in a bad way. Sometimes we're saved, sometimes we're not. Right? If I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm being saved. If I'm walking in the flesh, I'm not being saved. That's the Christian life. How does this affect us? Let me, let me raise this question. Why, why, should, why, should, um, why should we walk? Why should we have victory? If, if we have eternal life, do we have eternal life? Yes. Can anything change it? So we go, we're making it, right? We're in, baby, right? So somebody could say, why, why does it matter then? Why does it matter if you have victory in the Christian life? Why does it matter if you live for God or not? You're going to heaven. I've had people tell me that. In fact, I've had people say, well, if you tell people they're saved and saved forever, they'll live terribly. No, they won't. When they ask, ask, grasp and understand the love of God and what he's done for us, people tend to serve him rather than not serve him because they understand. They serve out of love, not out of fear. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Okay, look at this. Why should we walk worthy? Okay, it's God commands it. That's A. And it affects us. We're almost through. I may have to go faster. Should I talk faster? Are we okay? All right. Okay, first of all, God commands it. Look what he does. First Peter 1.16, he says, Be holy because I'm holy. Be holy because I'm holy. Does he expect us to be holy people? Yeah, he does. Look at this right here. 1 Corinthians 1.11, Paul says, Be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. Paul is saying, I'm trying to live like who? And so what does he tell us to do? Live like him, live like Christ. Okay? And then B, God basically, um, how, does it, how does it affect us? It affects us really in three different ways, okay? It affects our testimony. Let me ask you a question. If you're living righteously, do you have a good testimony, usually? Yep. If you're living unrighteously, do you have a bad testimony? Yep. Yeah. Have you ever had somebody say, oh, I, the way that guy lives, uh, uh, oh, I have to tell you all this. I, I, I knew a man one time that was in a, in a church, and he was a pretty bad man. And he, but he went to the church, and a person went up to him one time and said, you have that person in your church, don't they? And he said, well, yeah, they go to my church. He says, as long as that person is your church, I would never set foot in your church. And see, people don't always realize that the testimony of a person, how we live. Somebody could say, it doesn't matter how I live, I'm going to heaven. Yes, it does matter. It affects our testimony in this fallen world. Look what Jesus said. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that's what we're supposed to do. The second thing that it does, it affects our lives right now because we can have abundant life if we live righteously. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and you might have it how? Abundant life. You can have the abundant life if we live righteously and godly now. Okay, you ready for the third one? The third one is it affects our lives and our future rewards. Our lives and our future rewards. How you live now. What's, one day you will stand before Jesus Christ, yes or no? Yes. What's it called? The the, the, it's called the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ. It is not, has nothing to do with salvation. has nothing to do with eternal life because you've already put your faith in Christ and you're saved and saved forever. This has to do with rewards. We'll talk more about this in one of the lessons in the future. You'll stand before Christ. And is he going to say, well done? Or are we going to be ashamed at his coming? 
So that's why it affects right now our future and our rewards. So justification is this one. Sanctification is this one. We got one more to go. So we have been saved. And God sent the provision of His Son, Jesus Christ, is by faith. This one, we are being saved. If we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We'll have victory over the flesh. And we, can be, we are being saved now. There's a future thing. A future's coming. Salvation from the presence of sin. We live in the sinful world. And, and one of these days, He's coming. He's coming to get us. It's called glorification. That's why it's called glorification, because we're going to be glorified. It's going to be great. Look at this verse right here. We are to be looking forward to the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look what he says. Our citizenship is where? And from which we also eagerly await what? The Savior. Who is it? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who will do what? He will transform the body of our lowly condition, this old body, into conformity with his glorious body. That's called a glorified body. That's why it's called glorification. By the exertion of the power, exertion of the power that has been in him, even subject all things to himself. One of these days when Jesus comes, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be what? Caught up in a moment, a twinkle of an eye will be changed. We will be with Jesus Christ. That's glorification, and we will be saved. So, we have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. This is God's salvation plan. It's a three-phase plan. And so when we look at this, we are saved three times. What is it? Justification, sanctification, glorification. Justification, uh, salvation is from the penalty of sin and price is the provision. Sanctification, salvation from the power of sin, the Holy Spirit, the provision. Glorification, salvation from the presence of sin. And the Father, I say the Father, because we say the Father sends the Son to come back. So you can put it ever how you want to. You could put Jesus, whatever you want to do, ever how you want to do it. I want you to see that. It's powerful, powerful truth. Um, the past, where, did you not get it? Let me make sure you got it. It, it, it. You already know it. I mean, it's not something you've got to continue. Because how many times have we said this already, right? Do so you know it? And so look at this. In the past justified in the present being sanctified in the future we will be glorified so let me give you some applications the first one is this let's understand the meaning of the word salvation what does salvation mean it means to be delivered well it means saved but delivered somehow right some kind of way there's a physical salvation there's a spiritual salvation so when you see the word salvation in the bible what's the first question you have to ask what kind of salvation is he talking about? Okay. Second, let's understand God's three-phase plan of salvation. What is it? What's the first one? Justification. Justification. That's past tense. What's the next one? Sanctification. Sanctification. That's present tense. What's the next one? Glorification. That's future tense. Let's understand those things. Now, I've got one other thing that, that you can think about. You don't have to write down every word, of course. Here's the third one. Let's respond to God's plan of salvation. Look at this. Justification. Thank God for what? Eternal life. See, we have been saved. You're saved and you're saved forever. Should you ever doubt your salvation? No. Never. Never. If you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, what does he give you? Eternal life. You're saved and saved forever. Thank God for the eternal life. Sanctification. Walk worthy of our calling. What's our calling? We are Children of God, walk worthy, live it out, live out, uh, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. 
And then the third thing, let's look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's glorification. So that's us. That's who we are. So, we're justified. God gives us eternal life salvation because we sinned. Jesus paid for it. We believe in Him. We're made righteous. We're uh, everything. We have been saved. This was the Christian life. We are being saved as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one day He's coming to get us and we will be saved.